Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand, and this is where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. Welcome to the show, everybody. Today, we are going to be getting into it again with Dan, uh, my buddy who sailed into South Carolina, and we just sort of randomly met up at the marina, and we had a nice little chat about solo sailing, and we touched on the Pacific Crest Trail, the PCT, and I've done the Appalachian Trail, Dan's done both the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail, and the PCT has been kind of on my mind for many years, just sort of in the background. I would like to do it at some point, and so I really, I just asked him if he would, uh, if we could have a conversation as uh, as far as just peeling as much information about the actual hike and what, what goes into it preparation, anything, stuff like that, and uh, he obliged. So we sat down for a nice uh, second discussion and really just get into what it takes and what it's like being out on the Pacific Crest Trail. So hopefully everybody enjoys it. As I always say, huge big thanks to my constant supporters. You guys are great and uh, can't, can't thank you enough for the continued support. If you do want to support this show, keep it ad-free and all that. Then follow the link to the Patreon page, and you can become one of the 40-member strong family, which is awesome. Uh, other than that, we do have three different shirts available. You can follow the link for uh, for the merch. Check those things out. They're pretty cool. And uh, if you want to just reach out to the show, questions or ideas for more content, as I'm up here in Michigan still, away from boaters and, and all that, uh, you can go to sailingintooblivion.com and uh, contact the show through that. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dan. All right. Well, that's it. We, we're just jumping right in. We're Dan. just jumping right in. All right. Here we so, go. Buckle up. Uh, yeah. For popular uh, <laughs> demand by me, uh, because I haven't even put the other one out yet. But the PCT is something that I really am thinking about doing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had that guide with you or not but uh i figured tonight over a white claw and a beer uh we could essentially just talk about uh you know if i want to do it and i don't know pretty much anything about it except you know i know what it's like to do a long distance hike yep what do i gotta do um yeah what would your advice be i guess when, when let's start there what time of year when do you usually take off on the pct yeah, so I guess to for context, the PCT is the Pacific Crest Trail. It oh, yeah. runs from Mexico to Canada through California, Oregon, and Washington. It's roughly 2,650 miles long. Um, and I guess to answer your question, the planning is not a lot different than the AT. There there are a few things that... You want to pull the mic a little closer? Yeah, I can pull closer. the mic, mic closer to myself. There, there, there are a few Please. things that... Um, you have to plan for that are are different but if you're planning to go no bow or northbound it's roughly the same well i guess actually it's it's probably you have to wait a couple months later to start the pct than you would the at and the the real limiting factor is the snowpack in the high sierra right so i mean you can hike in the desert in southern california in february march yeah when, when you typically leave on the at 
The problem with doing that is if you leave that early from Mexico, if you want to go straight through for most hiking paces, you will likely reach uh, Kennedy Meadows, which is around mile 700. And that's like the last stop everybody makes to resupply before going into the High Sierra. Yeah. And there's you're almost assuredly going to make it to Kennedy Meadows too early and there's going to be far too much snow. And you, you wouldn't be able to, there's no way to follow the trail when it's completely snowed out like that, right? No, I mean, and so for me, I left uh, Campo, which is the border town in California that's right on the border. Uh-huh. I left Campo May 4th, and I think I went into the Sierra June 2nd, maybe, which is a little bit early. The The general rule of thumb is like about June 15th is when you want to be going into the Sierra. It was a light snow year that year, so it sort of made sense to be going in a little bit early, but people like a week or two before me got nailed with a really late season storm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's then, always going to be like a gamble. Yeah, it, well, know. and so th- there's a good uh, website, I think it's called Postholer, where you can kind of track like what the snowpack is looking like for the year you're planning to hike compared to other oh, years. Oh, okay. Um, because it's, it's the sort of thing where like some years there's hardly any snow and so it melts really fast and it almost doesn't really matter when you go into the Sierra. And then yeah. there are other years where you get a shitload of snow or there's a really late season storm or two. And so it's this sort of constant thing, especially people for northbound hikers who start early so that this constant question, you know, as you're hiking, you're like, what's going on in the Sierra? Am I going to need to just get off trail for a little while? You know, oh, timing, sure it can be like yeah. it, it all, de- right. It's just like sailing, you know, like you sail when the wind's blowing, you know, you got to kind of wait for the snow to start melting in the Sierra. The, the reality is the hiking through the Sierra is all like past a valley and then back up to another pass. Once you get up to the passes, like above 10,000 feet, there's going to be snow, even on a low snow year. Yeah, pretty much. Um, And following the trail up there is hard. You just kind of, you can use a GPS. You can also, you just go down. (laughs) Right. I mean, there aren't the white blazes. No, no. Right. There aren't trees. Yeah. And and the, the trail itself, though, is not hard to follow, except when it's covered by snow. Like it's, it's kind of like the AT where it's, even without the blazes, you could follow it. Right, right. Um, it also typically is much more open than the AT. You know, like the AT has tons of trees. You're, they call it the green tunnel for a reason. Yeah. Um, but things are just a lot more open, and so it's easier to sort of see where you should be going. And, you know, the footpath is well-worn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so for me, I left in early May. That's kind of pushing it a little bit but i was also prepared to hike a little bit faster right off the pushing it as early or late as late a little bit late so i I think probably a more typical northbound start for the pct would be sometime in april okay ballpark mid mid april which is like for you right i think you mentioned that you left for the at in february or late Uh, late march early march March. early march early march yeah so i think probably like shift everything a month right okay okay and is that i mean so when you set out in the beginning of may were there still a lot of people setting out at the same time yeah definitely there's like a full there are the there's this couple um their trail names are scout and frodo they're they live in san diego and just like 
love the trail and they host a lot of through hikers when they're first starting. And so oh, typically okay. people fly into San Diego. You can, if you want, you can get in touch with Scout and Frodo and spend the night with them. And then they organize shuttles to get everybody from San Diego to Campo the next morning. Oh, wow. So I stayed with Scout and Frodo and we had like two or three full vehicles of people who were All leaving from, off, yeah. yeah, who'd spent the night at Scout and Frodo's and then were leaving uh, to start that same day. So okay. yeah, there are definitely people starting at that point too. Yeah. The, the trick is, you know, if you wait too late, the desert starts getting stupid hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like probably the the biggest difference between the AT and the PCT is that the, the AT, the hiking is harder. On the AT. Um, no yeah. question. But the logistics are relatively easy. Right. There's always water. Like you're constantly walking always, through streams. Yeah. There's always a, you're like you're rarely three or more than three or four days from town. Mm-hmm. Um, and the climate is relatively consistent. You know, like the the southeast forests aren't that different from the northeast forests in the summertime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's essentially like it's cold in the in the south because, you know, you're usually leaving even in April because you're at altitude. It can get pretty chilly up there. And then it's going to be blazing hot by the time you get up into New England. But the PCT is like definitely, I don't know, it just, yeah, it's got that different element yeah, when so it comes the, to real altitude. For sure. So you've got, they're just more, the climate's more varied and that gives you more logistics to think about. So in the, the desert, it gets really damn hot during the day. So a lot of people, including myself, start doing this thing where you like get a really early start. And then plan to get to some place where there's water in the middle of the day because, well, one, you need more water. Yeah. But two, likely if there's a reliable water source, it means there's actually vegetation. So that means shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you can like get started right at sunrise and hike while it's cool and then get to a nice reliable water source by 10, 11, even 11.30 and then Chill, fill up your water, siesta, siesta and then get going again at while well, it's still hot at two or three, but then just hike into the evening mm-hmm. um, and then plan to make camp when it's dark. You know, if you're trying to like figure out how to optimize your day. But the reality is the only animals hiking at noon in the desert are dumbass human hikers. Yeah. All the other animals. <laughs> it, it's amazing. There's so the desert's such a cool place to hike. There's so many animals. I lucked out and happened to be there in like peak wildflower blooms. All the cactus had all these like crazy like uh, pink, red, and yellow yeah, flowers. Yeah. It was amazing. There, there's so many cool animals to see, but you don't see any of them between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. They're all gone. Yeah, everybody's because chilling. it's. It's stupid hot. Yeah. So take a a cue from them, and you should also get off trail and hide. Yeah, right. Because it's it's just miserable. Yeah. Do you like the locals Um, do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when in Rome. Well, okay. Uh, So, so did you need to get a permit? Oh yeah. Okay. So permitting. Um, I got a permit. Um, there's a, it's not even a lottery. You just sort of you get to sign up for it. You can look up the dates when they open up. Uh, like the permitting process every year. The reality is you could get lucky and hike the whole PCT and never be asked for a permit. So that's sort of like the reality under the table. I will say I was stopped 
by a ranger when I was in a Yosemite National Park ranger and I was in Yosemite who asked just to see my bear can because it's a big deal. You have to carry a bear canister mm-hmm. in Yosemite. Interestingly, she at the time did not ask to see my permit. It's like, which was, I found it kind of annoying. You're going to make me unpack my entire pack yeah, <laughs> so right. you can see my bear can and you're not going to look at my permit. Okay. Um, but I have, I spoke to other hikers on trail and heard stories about other hikers who at various points really just sort of in that like Yosemite area right around the Sierra were actually stopped and asked to see their permit. You, you could get permits for just that one section, uh-huh. but the trick is the PCT runs through a whole bunch of different forests and national parks that all have different jurisdictions. So getting your PCT through hiker permit covers you for all, all of it. Okay. So it really simplifies things. So there's a huge convenience. It's not that expensive. How much is it? I think it was maybe thirty bucks oh, when right. I did it. Yeah, yeah it's not a and it wasn't a huge deal. They I think in August they release like a bunch of slots per day. And then it's maybe in January they release like an additional fifteen spots per day. And it's just sort of first come, first serve at that point. I got mine in the sort of like the second wave in January. They may have changed things since then. It's been a few years. I may not be remembering quite correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's certainly like, you know, the right in quotes thing to do. Well, you know, you know, hey, I'm sure the money's probably going. It goes to the PCTA. The the PCTA is the Pacific Crest Trail Association, which is like uh, the ATC, mm-hmm. the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. They're sort of like yeah. uh, the equivalent bodies that sort of like manage the right, trail. So right. yeah, it's going to a, a good organization. And I think the other real benefit is because there isn't this sort of permitting process on the AT, you just end up with tons of people starting in a really narrow time window on oh, the yeah. AT. The Yahoo and, crew. And it's just brutal for the trail in Georgia, Carolina, you know, up to, you know, Southern Virginia. And then, you know, a lot of people are off trail by that point, and so it's no big deal. But if people actually abide by the PCT through hiker permitting system, it naturally spreads people out a little bit more. So does it, the permit give you your day of departure? Yeah, your permit is for a start date. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. You're, so you're, you pick it then and yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So I when I got my permit, it was a May 4th permits that's why mm. i left on may 4th because my permit said right may right 4th. right um Interesting. the reality is though like nobody checked my permit ever right i the only time i ever ran into a ranger who asked for anything was that ranger in yosemite who wanted to see the bear camp yeah. um so huh. that, that's okay, the deal okay. with with that um how about um for and i i'm i kind of just if it's all right i'm just gonna sort of pepper you with, yeah go uh, for it <laughs> questions here uh on so on the at you know, down south, you can pretty much camp wherever you want. You know, you see a little cool spot, you can build your fire ring, you can do whatever. It's pretty mm-hmm. lawless. And then as you get further north, especially in New England, then, you know, they start buckling down. Like Connecticut, they're like, you, you're camping in designated areas, we're going to fine you. Um, right. And, you know, so you had to be really stealthy if you weren't, you know... I wanted to camp at higher altitudes because the bugs were so bad. And so it just meant I had to be up, you know, basically at sunrise back on the trail. Um, What's the camping situation on the PCT? 
It's pretty much just camp wherever you wherever want. you want. If huh? you look at the trail guide, you know there'll be sort of th- there are no shelters, right? So that like the AT has shelters every like I don't know 10, 20 10, miles. 15 miles, yeah. Those don't exist anywhere. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, stay in those anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but I, I didn't stand them on the AT, but I did use them as sort of like nice mile markers, and usually like a shelter meant you know a privy, which can be convenient, totally. and it also meant like. Totally you know, usually a reliable water source. So like there was value in knowing where the shelters were well, and sort of were cool to yeah, check out, too. you know, and writing the logs and seeing who else was in the logs. So like that, that was a fun part of the AT, but that just doesn't exist on the PCT. Right. Right. Um, and you can basically camp wherever I, I will say, you also mentioned fires. Basically nobody makes fires because forest fire is a huge deal. Out yeah. West. I could only imagine pretty much the whole trail is in a fire ban area, like designated yeah. by the national forest service that's um, what i would think yeah i wouldn't yeah, like, want to be the idiot i think that, uh, on the whole through hike i on one night saw one pct through hiker make a fire which is like totally different than at yeah yeah but it's also like it's so hot and it never rains out west <laughs> right right so, yeah why would you want yeah that? um i had and, fires almost all the time on the at yeah it was it was great i don't th- i didn't make that many fires in the at but i enjoyed fires that other people made and contributed to them but it was alarming to see how fast this wood that this one hiker collected caught it was like something out of the movies where you just like (laughs) wave your flint and steel over the wood and well and like you said i mean with all of the the fires that rage out west like yeah you'd have it's crazy to be like i really want to have my fire yeah it's so it's not worth it. Okay, and but camping wise, it's pretty much yeah. You see a cool flat spot, and it's it's pretty wide open. You know, you can find like if you're because one one of the troubles that I had on the AT was when I did hike past dark. Sometimes it got pretty hard to find like a yeah, decent spot. There's so many trees, the trees and, stuff and all and that. that. Yeah, yeah. No, it it's pretty. Once you get up into the the Cascades and Washington, that feels much more like the Northeast on the AT. Yeah. And I guess finding campsites is probably a little more challenging up there, but in general, it's much more open yeah, and easier yeah, yeah. to find places to camp. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. The, the things that are challenging, it, it's, it's less about finding places to camp and more about figuring out where to camp intelligently in terms of logistics so like planning ahead based on water resource because there there are a couple like 20 to 30 mile dry stretches yeah in that first 700 miles of the pct and then because you have all these snowy passes in the sierra the general strategy is that you want to be going over the actually hiking on snow early in the day when it's still hard before it turns to slush and you start post holing through it. Yeah. Yeah. So the general strategy, if you're trying to be efficient in the Sierra would be to hit a pass and go over the snow really early in the morning, hike down to the Valley and then start hiking back up and camp, you know, wherever is convenient, but basically as close to the snow line as possible. So then the next morning you can get up up and and you're ready to just go across the hard snow that froze again overnight so there's like that's sort of what i was talking about before there's like there's just a little bit more like thought and planning you have to put into you know how you choose to organize your miles right whereas like on the at you just kind of get up and walk yeah it doesn't yeah yeah. well i mean i you know on at typically what i would do once i had set up camp and ate and you know all that sort of stuff 
then I would be going over what, you know, what lies ahead for the next day or so. And I used, you know, the, the through hikers companion. Uh, and then all I had were basically the little terrain guide of like Mm -hmm. ups and downs and stuff. I didn't have actual maps. Um, is there, what, what were you using? I used um, an app on my phone at the time. It was called Guthook. Guthook is a or was a through hiker. That's his trail name. I forget his like real person government name. Mm. Uh, but he made this app that has trail guides that give you that elevation profile and you know campsites and water sources and all that other stuff. Right. For all three trails the AT, PCT, CDT, oh, and wow. a couple others, the Colorado Trail, the Arizona Trail, a few others. I believe, it's been a while since I was through hiking, but I believe the name of the app has changed from gut hooks to something else. Mm-hmm. So it would require a little bit of research to figure out what it was. But I basically just used that. Um, it's kind of cool. It, it's, it has an aspect... Uh, or it, I guess it's not like social media for through hiking because that's that makes it sound way worse than it actually is. But it it crowdsources information, so you are able to like when there's a water source, hikers before you, if they choose, can leave comments to say like, yeah, this spring is flowing, or no, oh, it's not. Wow. So it can be that's a like way real time to get really good information. And if you you know, because I was taking, I was benefiting so much from the hikers before me, I tried to also then leave good comments to help whoever was like 50 miles behind me. Trail angel yeah i mean you know it's like pay it forward i guess is the the idea um, so how do you sorry to interrupt but like so if you've got that is there does that mean there's cell service out there no so you don't need cell service because you you download sections of the trail at a time uh-huh. so i would you know I, I forget exactly how what sections the app has but it's basically like southern california northern california Oregon, Washington. Mm. So like big sections that yeah, you just yeah. download all of ahead of time. Yeah, and, and to have those those comments update, you do need cell service. But you can when you're in town right, re- right. refresh updated, everything. Yeah. But then like when you're on trail, if you keep your phone in airplane mode, you can still use your phone's GPS so that the app knows where you are and it'll tell you like, oh, you're two miles from this water source and thirty miles from this water source. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Interesting. So that was really great. On the on the AT, <clears throat> I used I started with just a paper trail guide, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to Virginia, I'd learned about gut hooks from other hikers and had gotten the app. And then by the end of the trail, I'd kind of transitioned pretty much from the paper guide just right to gut hook. Digi. Um, wow. I mean, it like it's convenient. Works really well. It's no, convenient for sure. um, until your iPhone breaks. Yeah, until your iPhone breaks, and then you're screwed. And, Although I would think on the PCT, you probably have less of a chance because, you know, on the AT, it's the rain that ruins everything. Yeah. Um, I had a junkie. I mean, I did it in 2012, so uh, still kind of early in the old iPhone thing um, and just had some junkie, you know, burner phone. Yep. Uh, but <clears throat> no, I, you know, I for me, part of the pleasure of, of these things is having the trail guide and yeah, doing for sure. the maps and all that stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, they, you know, this stuff looks pretty the, good. The maps are fun, yeah. This one I like, is... That's why I keep paper charts on the boat, because I... It's fun. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. So, and, you know, it's bulletproof. Yeah. But, you know, well, they're not, not bulletproof. Be... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, okay, okay, that's cool. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, uh, so... 
I know on the AT, I did not. I I had four packages that I had oh, somebody send to different spots. So it was basically, you know, I went down thinking I'm going to see snow and all sorts of stuff. And then shortly after uh, the Smokies, I had a package waiting for me with just some different gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I did that four four times on the whole trail. The rest of the time, I just resupplied uh, everywhere else. And the, those packages didn't have food or anything like that. Did you do you have to do that on the PCT? Um, well, so you're bringing up a, a couple of good uh, things to think about. Oh, thank th- you. Th- think about just food in general, <laughs> southern through like all of California. It it depends. I think you could do the PCT without sending yourself any boxes. Mm-hmm. It might be challenging. Um, okay. So the first place that's probably difficult is Kennedy Meadows. That's that town that like is the last stop before going into the Sierra. So talking about gear, that's where most people pick up their bear can, um, potentially crampons or micro spikes, and an ice axe. Also, like I picked up a warm, warmer uh, sleeping bag. Yeah, I didn't pick up a warmer sleeping bag, but I, I added some clothes. Like I think I added gloves. I added a, up another down jacket. Yeah, um, and, and then you can send it directly to. Kenny you, yeah, you holder. you can send it there. There's a what is it? It's like a, a lodge, bar, convenience store type place. Yeah, that yeah. holds it's like packages. A hiker hostel, yeah, well, yeah, right. I, I guess they are a hostel. Just like, like more Neil's than, Gap yeah, in, yeah, uh, um, yeah. You, I mean, that's why looking at the trail guides useful to find exactly. But th- there is a spot there where you can send packages, and like, I don't even know what a hitch to town would be like from Kennedy Meadows. Like, it's pretty remote. Yeah, so I think yeah, yeah. like pretty much everybody has a package there. You, there's like enough of a convenience store and stuff that you you could just send yourself gear there and resupply it would be an expensive resupply well, i think sure to buy prices, all the yeah. food well because if they got to bring it all in yeah from far away and all that so. exactly so that's a spot where people usually pick up a lot more gear and would be helpful to have a, a box of food sent and then sometime north of the sierra people send their bear can ice axe and micro spikes home um i offhand i can't remember what the exact stretch is where you are required to carry a bear can it starts basically at kennedy meadows through the sierra but then the the requirement to carry a bear can extends a little bit north of the sierra proper so i think i carried my bear can from kennedy meadows all the way to south lake tahoe and i think that was a little bit beyond where i had to carry the bear can but it was just like the the first place outside of this like required zone yeah. where based on how i was hiking it made sense to get rid of it how um, how big is the bear can i don't know that well it's like a jug on the, right it's i mean it's got to fit all your food for yeah. you know or it's supposed to fit all your food so yeah i had a bv bv is bear vault that's the brand Oh, it's been long enough that I can't remember the exact model names now. But they they make Bear Vault makes at least at the time made two bear cans, and I had the larger of the two. 
which is kind of the one most thru-hikers go with. Recommended. There, there are some other nicer bear cans or lighter ones. There's, I think the Barricade is like a carbon fiber one, which is nice and light, but it's carbon fiber, so it's wicked expensive. So yeah, the Bear yeah. Vault is like the like cheap utility bear can that basically all the thru-hikers were carrying. And some folks carried the smaller one, but I just don't think I could have fit enough food Right, inside right, it for right. it to make sense so that, that's why i went with the bigger one but they're they're heavy as hell the, the best thing it took me like two days in the sierra of carrying this god-awful thing to figure this out is that right it unlike so much of the other stuff you pack like it's it's hard plastic and rigid like it doesn't smush it all inside your pack it's just this giant cylinder inside your pack yeah and it was just killing my back and so what i I figured out two days in was that if I stuffed my my down puffy jacket in between the back of my pack and the bear can, that was like enough cushioning to make it at least tolerable. Tolerable. Oh, yeah, I geez. won't say that it was comfortable, but yeah. it was enough that I wasn't constantly just in pain because of this bear can, you know, this like rigid plastic cylinder just being pulled against my but back. But they kind of have day. to be round. That's yeah, part of the design. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, the bear yeah, can't. Yeah, there's sure yeah, it's. They're not fun. Right, right. Um, hmm. So, yeah. So, Kennedy Meadows, someplace north of Sierra, like South Lake Tahoe. Um, Oregon, my recollection, I, I chose to send myself boxes in Oregon because I, I was on kind of a schedule and I wanted to stay close to the trail. There's this whole section of the trail through Oregon that goes through, um, you like the trail comes right through or goes very close to a whole bunch of like campground rv park type places that will accept packages and have like very small general stores okay so sending yourself a package there means you don't have to deal with a hitch into town but there's also not a full resupply yeah there if you haven't sent yourself a box you can hitch to town but they're longer hitches like 30 minutes or something or yeah i i don't want to speak too confident it's just been so long like it's been years since i've looked at the trail guide but that was kind of like like, two miles down the road yeah exactly um, so Oregon, I sent myself a bunch of boxes and then the last, again, it, it's been a few years, but the last like two or three stops in Northern Washington get pretty remote. And again, like you could probably hitch, but it might just be easier if you yeah, sent yourself boxes. Yourself. Now I will say I only sent a couple boxes ahead of time. I made boxes for myself from the trail. Like when I was in a town like South Lake Tahoe, big town, full grocery store, big post office. Oh, and okay. so once I like was kind of ha- in my through hiker rhythm, had a better sense of like where my next couple stops were going to be. Yeah. Um, Your pace, you had everything. Yeah, I knew my pace. Lot. I knew I wasn't sick of like eating Snickers. I mean, I'll never get sick of eating Snickers, but like whatever the food is, like Ooh, good. I, I can't do Cliff Bars anymore. I can't do Pop-Tarts anymore. I don't want them. Like, I, I, <laughs> um, but you know, that's like, I was, at least that was always my fear of like packaging up boxes for like Maine when I was going to leave in Georgia. Like, is this going to be enough food? Am I even going to want to eat this stuff yeah, when I get yeah. there? No, um, sure. so I did that. I think twice I took a zero day in a big town, made up a, went to the grocery store, spent like $150 on hiker food mm-hmm. and sent out like, three or four boxes in the post office. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I know I did that in South Lake Tahoe and I'm pretty sure I did it one other place and offhand I I can't 
I'd have to go back and, and look at my little journal from the trip. To well, and that's, I mean, you know, that's, that's where a lot of these but, trail guides come in handy. Yeah. They, they're giving you all that information and, and then you get the miles down and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, but I, I think it, it's definitely, yeah, good. Thing I mean, to do. Ev- hike, your own, hike your own hike. Everybody does, you know, right. figures out their own strategy for, for resupply. Southern California, no question. Just resupply as you go. Kennedy Meadows, you probably need to send yourself at least your gear for the Sierra. Mm-hmm. Then at some point, you're going to need to send your Sierra gear home or figure out how to sell it or something. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it would be miserable to just keep carrying the bear can and like an ice axe you definitely don't need once you're not going to make it up to 10,000 feet anymore. Um, and then like, you know, Northern Washington is the other place where you really need to think about a couple boxes, but you could make them from the trail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause that, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, on the AT, it was just, just gear for me and yeah, I food. I, I just was planning on, um, what was, uh, the total cost Without without the airfare, because that you know, yeah that's negligible depending on where where you're coming from. But um yeah, I mean if you don't mind, what so, what was the cost of the whole thing? And let's say you've already got the gear because you already had the gear. Yeah, I, I had the gear, and I I did make changes based on the AT. I I could have just taken my AT gear and and gone for it. Um, but I at the time budgeted about a thousand dollars a month on trail. Okay. Um. I was actually just looking through, uh, it may have been the, the AT subreddit. Um, mm. and, and somebody asked that budget question and somebody made the comment, you know, like a couple of years ago, the rule of thumb was a thousand dollars, but because of inflation, it probably makes more sense to plan like $1,200 yeah, yeah, per yeah. month. Um, but I, I used that like rough rule of thumb of a thousand dollars per month on both the AT and PCT and it worked out. I don't think I ever actually spent a full grand in a single month through hiking but that's like when planning for the trip and making sure i had enough money in the bank account yeah yeah that's what i planned on and for like you know buying food and you know hostels or splitting a motel room or whatever it was being able to like eat at restaurants and stuff in town when you're there yeah yeah yeah. that's roughly what i planned on you could definitely you could probably do it on less money. You could certainly do it on more money than that. Because there's really there's um, just not as many town stops on the PCT. Um, did you think? I I don't know. Well, actually, because I, I mean it's a longer trail. Yeah. So. Well, what's interesting is it it's a longer trail by four hundred some odd miles, but a lot of people if they a lot of Hikers hike who have through, yeah. yeah, a lot of hikers who have hiked the AT end up hiking the PCT in about the same time or less mm. because the hiking's easier, right? The AT is 400 miles shorter, but it has more elevation gain and loss than the PCT, yeah, which yeah. is 400 miles longer. Oh, it's brutal. Longer. Yeah. It is brutal. Yeah, I mean, the, which uh, is why, I mean, I think they still have like a 90% attrition rate. Uh, yeah, Somewhere I don't know what it is, there. but a lot of, I mean, yeah, the definitely the majority of people who leave for a through hike don't finish. Do not finish. Because yeah. it, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. It's, it's really, really tough. Um, you know, and like money and injuries and realizing <clears throat> that actually you don't want to spend the next five months of your life just, just walking, walking and smelling like dog shit in the it's woods. Yeah. I, for me, <laughs> though, I was like paradise. Yeah, I was it's just great. in hog I mean, heaven. Yeah. Every night I'm like uh, camping in a new spot. I'm going to have a little fire. I got my little... I always had Bacardi 151 because <laughs> I was I was powering my stove with it. 
Oh yeah. And so I use like, an alcohol one stove. For you oh, no. and <laughs> one for me. But I yeah, and I actually, I mean, when I did the AT, I was like, I'm gonna do this thing right. I saved up extra money um, because I knew more than anything I wanted to when I was in a town get my own hotel rooms. Yep. And the only reason I really want to do that, I'm pretty light sleeper, and you know, being around somebody who's snoring or whatever, I'm yeah. just, I literally, I can't, I cannot fall asleep. And it it can be a weird vibe too to split rooms with other people because like the reality is it it feels like you know people well but you've only just met them on trail and people and... act different from the woods to yeah town. So I've done both. I've gotten my own room. I've I've split yeah, a couple rooms at various <clears throat> points with hikers. Um, oh yeah, I've yeah. stayed in some bunk rooms. Bunk those houses. Are, yeah, yeah, those are, <laughs> those great. are great. Um, oh man. Yeah. So as far as like the frequency of towns, I mean, we could look at the trail guide and really figure it out. But my like, you'd say gut, it's pretty my, my, my gut instinct would be that Southern California might actually have towns more frequently than on average in the AT, mm. just because I mean it. It's a pretty populated area of the country, and then like as you get further north. You know, certainly, I mean, through the high Sierra, there's nothing, or there are very long hikes and hitches out of the Sierra. Yeah. Um, and then Oregon, it probably gets roughly comparable to the AT, maybe like a little bit less frequent. And then definitely by the time you get to northern Washington, it's less frequent than yeah, the AT. Yeah, roasted. Um, the other thing, though, is like most people end up having an easier time hiking a longer distance in a day because the hiking is easier. Like I personally, my typical pace on the AT was about two and a half miles an hour. Roughly, obviously that would change dramatically based on exactly where I was hiking, but Mm -hmm. you know, ballpark two and a half miles an hour. The PCT was more like three miles an hour, which over the, like a course of a full hiking day ends up making a huge difference. You do do 10 hours. In terms of mileage. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, it kind of seemed like, you know, doing a 20 mile day or your first 20 mile day as an 83 year old is like a big, you know, yeah, like, yeah. As a, you know, a big that. achievement. Yeah. It's a big deal. And it seemed to me that like a 20 mile day in the AT was roughly comparable to about a 30 mile day on the PCT. Wow. Like, especially like once you get to Oregon, you're like, you're super you're fit flying. as a through hiker. Yeah. The trail really mellows out. You can just crush miles it's amazing I, I i didn't believe it when people were like oh yeah oregon's flat and like is it true that it's flat no but it's definitely flatter yeah and you are really strong and you've just come out of like the sierra and it's northern insane, california yeah. and so you're just like ready to hit the ground and just Beast go yeah and so it's like you know every day in oregon could be a 30 plus mile day and you right. just like crank through them okay well any uh any Sort of last, because uh, I I'm trying to think I and I might think of some more questions to ask uh, as 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 you start talking here. But like any top tips that you would give to me trying to go and hike, or or just anybody, you know, I guess. Or or oh, I'll tell you what here. Let me, let me fire this one at you real quick. Somebody was like, man, I'd really like to do a long distance trail hike. Never done one before. Should I do the PCT or the AT? 
Yeah, that that's a tough a question. Like yeah. the, the AT versus for that one. yeah, the whole AT versus PCT thing is hard. Um, I love the and AT. And so I'll preface this like this is my personal opinion, having done both the trails. Covering pe- pe- your people, butt there, people like are it. able to decide. You know, have very different views from me. My thought is that I think the AT has a lot more history and culture behind it um like that was part of why i had been dreaming since i was eight years old to hike the at well it's like Um, 80 years old or something now yeah and there's like you know there are a bunch of like really historic trail tons of the at the whole sort of shelter cultures can you know maybe you don't want to stay in the shelters but being able to look at the trail logs and stuff is you know a fun part of the experience Mm -hmm. um the reality is it's not terribly scenic it rains a lot. The hiking is really hard. I don't know that I would necessarily call all of the PCT a wilderness experience, but you spend a lot more time a lot closer to civilization than the AT. The PCT, on the other hand, the hiking is actually easier. The trail, the trail itself is nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was rained on three or four times on a whole three. No, like, oh, only one gosh. big storm. Then the other two or three times would have been like a little bit of like spritzing in the morning in the desert, which is like a weird thing that happens where it's not like a downpour. It just kind of like sprinkles a very little bit in like the late wee hours of the morning, like 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. or th- maybe or as early as three. It happened a couple times. Um, where it's like just enough to wake you up if you're cowboy camping. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, and what's then going st- on? yeah, exactly. And so like, that's really nice. the The hiking itself is easier on the PCT, but logistics, thinking about like snow in the Sierra or water in the desert, is harder. But the views are just way better on the PCT. It's just so much more scenic. I think it's also just more interesting to see the like climate diversity across the trail you know you get to start in the desert and then spend time in the high sierra and then like a lot of oregon's really volcanic Mm. and then you get into washington and the cascades and that's kind of comparable to like the white mountains in new hampshire and and katahdin so like there's just a lot more different stuff to see on the pct so I guess personally, I think the PCT is a better trail, but the AT also has a lot going for it. Right, right. There's maybe a little bit more of a suck fest on the AT. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I Well, and I know even in the 10 years now it's been since I did the AT, the culture has changed quite a bit from what I understand. Talking with people who, because you did yours 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Even people, I mean, you know. Hearing from people that hiked it in 2019, which was the year that that those that guy got murdered and stuff, and uh, and the COVID stuff obviously made things a little yeah, tricky. Yeah, COVID would have made and, through hiking really weird. Yeah, but from from what I understand, it just seems very different experience um, as far as people, lots and lots of people on the AT starting out. Yep. Lots and lots of technology on the trail where, yep. at, you know, people literally like doing live streams when they're walking, uh, you know, lots to, you know, the Instagram stuff. And, hey, people can do whatever they want, hike right. your own hike, all that sort of stuff. But, yeah. you know, when, when we did it every once in a while, there'd be some 
some person who felt that it was necessary to have a little Bluetooth speaker on as they're hiking right. down the trail. And, and that was, yeah, a, you that... know, always a little bit like, oh, geez, here they come again. Um, but from, yeah, I mean, I, I think I get the sense that the, the PCT with much less traffic and like you said, having to have a permit, it's not like every Yahoo just wants to go out, give it a yeah. shot and, and go. I mean, it's also, there are far fewer like section hikers and day hikers on the PCT. Oh, whereas you run, cause like, think about th- there's a trailhead everywhere for the AT. AT. It's so easy to get on the AT to do a day hike, to do a two or three night backpacking trip. To murder Uh, somebody. Well, okay. (laughs) It happens. I don't know how many murders they had. 10, 12? It it does happen, yeah. Um, Oh, he's such grisly stories. So there's a lot. Like the, the majority of other hikers I saw on the PCT were through hikers. Whereas on the AT, there are a lot of folks you meet who are not through hiking. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. doing Just other high, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely a difference. Did um, a lot of people on on the PCT, did you you end up sort of running into and hiking with uh, a lot of the same people and, and essentially more people actually finished the trail? Um, I don't know if more people actually finished the trail. I... It was interesting on, on the, and again, this is just how my personal hikes went on the AT. I had at several points in time, like one or two other people that I hiked like several hundred miles either with or sort of around on the trail. And on, on the PCT, I ended up with, um, it was actually a, a, a twins brother and sister, um, that I hiked with for a huge chunk of the trail in California. And then I think I got ahead of them. And it's basically like two other guys I met up with that I hiked pretty much all of Oregon and Washington with. Like those were sort of like the two groups I was in. Um, I don't know. I was, I was, on both the long through hikes, I was never in one of those like large like trail family type deals that some people talk about. Those never really seemed you know, appealing to me. Of yeah. thinking about like you know this whole like six to twelve through hiker traveling community that's going on. I don't know. Like I was there to hike, and that's what I wanted to do. And well, they, you know, I and um, it, I was kind of in that same mindset, um, and I ended up hiking with a guy, Scuba Steve. For the first maybe month, month and a half. And then I was pretty much on my own. Ran into one hiker family called the Hot Garbage Crew. Because <laughs> they smelled like hot garbage. <laughs> they were fun. They were partying all yeah. that stuff. Didn't really hike with them. Camped in the same spot, I think, once or twice. But yeah. uh, I was fortunate because I I was then alone for the next two months or something. Three months. And at the end, in Monson... The last trail town yeah. before the last hundred miles ran into a group where I knew one or two of them I had met back in, you know, Shenandoah months yep. before. And there were six or seven of them, and we all hiked that last hundred miles together. That's great. And so I got that, you know, because I had heard from a few of the other people that I hiked with a little bit earlier who made it up a lot faster, and they summited Katahdin by themselves. 
And it was sort of like, look around, and then they just came back down. And, and you know, I think there's something to be said for that because then you get to, you get to contemplate everything and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I, I had sort of always thought, yeah, I don't want to be in those big groups, but then it turned out to be this really great way to end the trail. Yeah, and it also depends on who's in those groups. Like, you know, thru-hikers oh, are, are a diverse group, and you're going to click with some thru-hikers and not with others, right? And so you want people who are kind of your speed. I think also... A group of six hikers who have made it to Monson on the AT, like it's a pretty tight crew. Yeah, right. You know that that's they've self-selected to be a serious group of folks who aren't just there to party, right? They've hiked all two thousand plus miles at that point to yeah <laughs> make yeah, it to right. Monson. Exactly. Um, yeah. God almighty, so good, so good. Oh man. Well, Dan, I could. I mean, we could just sit here we for could hours and talk. I I love. <laughs> Like I think that's one of the coolest things when you do finish one of these trails, and obviously doesn't matter which one you do, uh, but there is a camaraderie for you know with other people yeah. that have done it because you know I I thought it was always a funny thing and people had told me about this so you do one of these hikes and then you go home and people are like you know how was it you know is it cool and. You can give them a little explanation, but you can you see their eyes. Their like, eyes basically yeah. will glaze over after about two minutes. Yeah, and you've just spent the better part of a uh, you know four months battling through the will, having this epic adventure that literally your friends, your old friends, are are so bored with after a two minute spiel on it. And it's kind of I don't know. It, it's such a hard question to answer. Yeah, like, right. It was you... four months of your life. Like it was everything like it was an amazing experience it was terrible like you had a full array of emotions and experiences in four it. months yeah. like it wasn't just one thing <laughs> to so give an answer to how was it it turns uh, into this very special yeah. thing and it, it's a special connection that i think all through hikers no matter what trail uh can like we're doing now sit down and just blabber on about it and just you know i yep. get goosebumps when i think of certain things and i'm like oh yeah i remember that da, da, da. It, i don't know it's this really similar vibe to <laughs> like the cruising world or meeting other solo sailors it's you know it, it's different right? we're not hiking but it's no. a similar we're, we're, yeah it's a similar we're a different feel breed. and like you know you find people who are doing the same kind of niche thing that you are that's a little bit unhinged and a little bit you, you have bit. you know you meet other people who are doing the same thing and it's fun to talk to them i know i <laughs> I know and well and and the sharing of information and all that stuff which is why i really appreciate you doing this yeah. like i said i you Absolutely. know i've got the trail guide here i don't know when i can do it i thought about possibly doing it this year 2023 but i don't think that's going to happen um but maybe 2024 the trail's know. not going anywhere it's not going there's anywhere. not really any rush yeah yeah hmm who knows well any any last minute advice for anybody Put your shit in a bag and go walk. Whoa. <laughs> like, I like that. It can be just that simple. I think like, through hiking doesn't have to be complicated. You don't need fancy gear. It doesn't have to cost a lot. Nope. You don't have to do tons of planning. Doing some is important. But I think so many people just get like lost in their own head thinking about the logistics. And if you can just take a minute, pack your gear, and go start hiking... <laughs> it all gets so much simpler and easier after that. So put your shit in a bag and go walk. I love it. Thank you very much, Dan. I appreciate yep. it.